Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome to the Maximum Mom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I'm Elise Bowie, the host of the Maximum Mom Podcast. And today I'm so excited to welcome my friend, Rachel Clark from Interconnected Us. Hey, Rachel. Hi, Elise. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here. I have to tell you, I love your polka dots. That is so fun. (laughs) I just wanted to be like Facebook presentable. Yeah, well, polka dots is definitely it. I love it. Okay, well, first, I always like to just get this part out of the way. Just tell us who's in your family. You know, we are the Maximum Mom podcast. So, you know, tell us what your family is like, and then we'll get into the other things. You got it. All right. So I've got two boys. They are 12 and 14. The 14-year-old is Asher. The 12-year-old is Zachary. And uh, they are opposite as can be. And they are delightful. I am so blessed. So yeah, and the older one's away at overnight camp. And the little one and I are just having such a ball. It's just the three of us, though, in my house. I love yeah. Overnight camp is so fun. Oh, my gosh. Oh, he's he's living his best life. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this later, but I am genuinely thinking about starting mom camp. Because as I'm watching all these kids go off to camp, we were huge into camp as a family. Like we went to oh, yeah. camp in Tennessee. I was the office manager for a while, also worked in the kitchen because, you know, I had to figure out how to pay for all these kids to go to sleepaway camp. So yeah, life changing. Like I'm a huge fan of camp. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why do we moms not have camp? Like I love that. And we definitely need to talk offline. I know something I want to share with you, but I won't do it on the podcast. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Tell us about your business. Oh, yeah. So Interconnected Us is a startup. It's uh, something I began uh, late last year, and it is building masterminds for women lawyers. So I put women into groups of you know roughly eight women, and they are with their professional cohort. So I've got in-house counsel with in-house counsel, small firm owners with small firm owners, and, and that sort of thing. And the point is we're creating a trusted, safe space where you can discuss, you can get custom feedback that you can't get anywhere else. So it really helps these women leverage their time because they've got, a, you know, instead of instead of uh, an issue going unaddressed for a long time, they've got a place that is trusted, super bound by confidentiality. And you've got a room full of women who understand how you who walk in your shoes and give you their take. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I participate. So I must put that out there in Interconnected Us. And so, and it has been really amazing to meet different attorneys from different places, different areas of the law, and understand and see what we're all struggling with. Some things super common, super shared, and then other things super unique. And I'm like, oh, cool. We're talking about what, wind power now? Like, I don't get to talk about wind power and solar power and how that might impact things. So yeah. And then the challenge is to be an attorney practicing in that space versus yours and how you get to bounce ideas off one another. So it's just amazing because there's value in being with, you want some level of similarity among the members, but you also want some level of diversity. And I think the one that you're in is absolutely just going beautifully in terms of people at different, you know, 
to able to able to give um, a lot of insight, but understand each other as well. Like right. there's a really important balance there. Now, what in the world made you start this? Like, I mean, here you are juggling life as a mom, a lawyer. I mean, you were just like bored one day and was like, okay, time to start a business. <laughs> I was bored, you know. But there was a number of things at once. So it's so hard for me to answer that question succinctly. But I guess I would say the last five years I've been working in the solar industry and really realizing that while that was advancing my values because I care deeply about the environment I have for my whole life. I was an activist in high school. It wasn't bringing out what I love to do the most, which is, you know, personal growth, connecting people on a more like literal level, like networking. And, you know, you should meet this person and you two can help each other for their goals. But really at a deeper level, this idea that, you know, we are all each other's keeper and, you know, just really so many lessons there. So, Anyway, I had a a life experience where I was exposed to masterminds myself with my ex-husband, just being his spouse. I had the privilege of being in a mastermind group briefly. And I just, for the time that it was, it was such a shame that it wasn't available to professional women like myself. You know, that was because he's an entrepreneur. Um, I had access to a, a world that he's a part of as his spouse, but it just seemed so unfair. And I just so understood the value that when you get people together, in a curated space with norms about how the conversation goes and how respect is maintained, in particular with, you know, us alphas <laughs> who might bristle at getting, you know, advice or told what to do. You know, you've, we have to be, we take advice in a very particular way. And so such a great use of my time. Like I recognize that me participating, it was like, you know, for that little bit of time I'm in those meetings, I get, you know, a whole room full of opinions about my challenge. And so too to others. I just saw what's going on with women in in our industry and felt that it was something that they need to get ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about women in our industry, I mean, one of the things that I see, and it really just kind of breaks my heart a lot, is the deep unhappiness in a lot of women in our industry and just in our world and, you know, ecosystems of things like I'll go on a Facebook group and there'll be like a comment about something or a post about something. And there will be hundreds of comments of unhappiness and i am really blown away by yeah the feelings and the almost despair i would say i read and i see and because of that i end up talking to a lot of people and then having those deeper conversations with people and really digging in and understanding what is going on our profession just I mean, we are at a struggle. We are, I mean, I said something to my husband recently. I'm like, we are on the struggle bus as women lawyers, big time. Yes, yes, absolutely. A struggle bus. And (laughs) I mean, I I think it's from where I sit, it seems like it's, you know, there's so many different factors contributing to that, of course, like the pandemic and this epidemic of loneliness and all of that. And, you know, social media and this constant flow of stimulation and just code switching in our mind as we go from one, you know, noticing one thing to another, trying to filter all the noise. But I also think as lawyers, part of how we self-selected to go to law school and part of what the profession breeds in us, before we even get to, you know, sexism, racism and all of that, just like the personality of someone who goes to law school, like, you know, from what I understand, the number one character trait of lawyers is skepticism. And, you know, then we go to school and we're trained to worry, you know, to manage risk and to argue. And those traits might be very beneficial in the American legal system, right, to advance as a lawyer. 
but you're also a human. And so, I mean, just taking the arguing, for example, like this binary that, you know, at least if you and I have a conflict, like, the, you know, this binary that one of us has to win. Right. But the reality is in, in real life, outside of practicing, right, both can be true. You have your perspective, I have mine. I mean, just one of many examples, but that makes it very hard to be a grown-up lawyer with grown-up healthy relationships. What? Because you're just used to someone winning. And that's just one of many, many patterns that concern me, that I just think that being in a group is very healing, gives us options, and, and gives people a platform to like, you know, you can be so deep in your own perspective on something, but, you know, you, you get a room full of people being like, well, you know, the other person could be thinking this, and, you know, you've been there, right? Like, you understand that. Like, you know, talk people down. It makes all the difference, I think, to get that perspective. But also, I think to your point of developing community and developing connections that are deeper and that are not the superficial, you know, connections where it's all, you know, an Instagram reel of, you know, whatever. Right. And right. where it's really you get to come and show up. And I mean, maybe you don't have your makeup on and you're, you know, a mess, a total hot mess that morning, but you're going to show up and you're going to be there and, you know, for the other people in the group. And I mean, that I think that alone is a big deal, like having the other people there and expecting you to be there. And you know what I mean? Like just yeah, having it be a real deeper connection. I appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah, I I was going to say like, I mean, there's someone who shows up in her puppy pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) I know that would be. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) But it's like, one thing I've noticed is like, I see a lot of aversion from women lawyers to talk about the V word and the V word in this situation means vulnerability. Wow. And and I don't mean it to be critical of women lawyers in the profession, right? Like we're killing it out there. We're amazing. Like I don't, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to help this group, you know, that, that we're both a part of. You know, many of us went into it to, you know, to prove something or or because we care about justice or whatnot. And, and as women, we might have been, I mean, and obviously you and I are just white women, but we, you know, we, you know, we've been marginalized in some way or multiple ways. And, you know, we want to, you know, assert our voice. We want to do what's right and so on. But I'm concerned in the profession as a whole, this is not just women, that we need to put on such a brave face all the time that it can be very hard for some people to take it off. And that too can just be so, I mean, being vulnerable, I appreciate a court of law is, is weakness, right? But outside of it, is how we connect. I mean, it's mutual, like self-disclosure is what breeds connection. And so if we're constantly have our mask on so that we look, you know, social media, joyful and so on, you know, externally, like, I mean, forget social media, but just with our peers, if we're not really willing to be real, I mean, then our own sense, our own experience, our own like humanity shrinks. That's a piece of that I want to combat. You know, I really want to help you get what you need. Well, and I have to tell you, I'm going to challenge something you said. I actually think vulnerability is your greatest strength in the courtroom and in law. Like the courtroom as well and in law. Okay, tell me more. What do you mean by that? I think when you go and especially, I mean, I think of my prior days, you know, doing jury trials in, you know, bazillion years ago, being able to connect with the jury as a real human was 100% my superpower. Like, you know, just going in and being like, oh, you know, I'm having a dumb blonde moment. Like I didn't do that. You know, like not making it be this like 
perfect show. And yep. it was, you know, I'd have these usually male, much older attorneys as my opponents who are, you know, all buttoned up. You know, it's they came across so stuffy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love that. I totally no, I totally understand what you're saying that like your vulnerability, like it's your relatability. It's your humanity in that way with a jury. Right. Right. What I meant was a vul- vulnerability might be a, a boogeyman to opposing counsel, you know, something that they could exploit. But I totally appreciate to an audience. I mean, you know, you do tons of speaking engagements and I, I'm sure I mean, it, I, you know, it's what I loved about you instantly, like just putting yourself out there and being authentic. But there are so, you're a unicorn, of, you know, in that yeah. way. There's a lot of people that really can't do that and because of their trauma, because their childhoods. Well, and I but, think our profession yeah. just runs with that. Like we just, yeah. instead of like trying to open people up and help them understand how their authenticity and their vulnerability will be such a powerful force as a lawyer, because it, it will make them more relatable and all those things, we, we try to button them up more. You know, the profession, I think just, you know, like you don't want to admit when you make a mistake or you, you know, go through all this craziness. But I, I see it as us moms too. Like you'll see a mom though being like, oh, you know, I'm such a bad mom. I didn't bake whatever for the bake sale. And I'm like, what? Like, is your kid alive? Like, did they show up? Are you are you saying like as moms, it's the criticism from others or what we do to ourselves or both? I think it's both. Yeah, really both. I definitely agree. Do you think it's different? I mean, you're you know, you were divorced in the past. Do you think it's different for women who who make that go through that chapter? Um, You know, that was probably hard for me to say in that. I mean, I think that I had that same voice in my head early on in my momhood while I was married. But I think post-divorce, I was actually freed by a lot of that because I was like, there's only so much this one girl can accomplish in 24 hours. And, you know, at the time I had four young children, you know, in all these different directions. And I'm thinking, I'm showing up, you're alive, you're fed, like you have clothes on. I mean, we're, we are just like winning the parenting game here, you know? Elise, you're such an inspiration and your mindset. I mean, I, I, it's your mindset that I'm just so fascinated by. Like your success is secondary. It's like your, your mindset to be in that situation and to pull yourself together and do what you need to do. But to, I don't know, you have such a joyful way about you. Like I'm just, it's fascinating to me that you were able to, you know, get the practice to where it is, you know, with such a challenging chapter. Yeah, well, you know, it. I definitely think, and I know you know this in starting your own business. I mean, I think mindset is um, 90% of the game. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how it's like a lifelong sport? Like when I, like I was looking at one of my competitors who says that, you know, she can kind of cure you of anxiety, you know, in a, a manner of weeks or months. And it was like, I mean, I, you know, I meditate at the Rochester Zen Center and there's people there that are in their 70s and, you know, they'll they'll say openly like, you know, the meditation gives you a way to relate to your anxiety, but you don't cure yeah. yourself of it. Your anxiety could be your superpower. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it can be something that is very powerful in how you are coming out to the world. And I think to your point, it's how you're relating to that anxiety. Yep. Right. Like it, it is. A, I mean, it's a superpower in the profession, right? Letting us anticipate, you know, the outcomes oh, yeah. we don't want. But I agree. Like it's I mean, for me, that's been a, a really 
important lesson and a place that I continue to kind of go to that well and check in, you know, how I relate to my own, you know, challenges like anxiety, including anxiety. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, you know, it's, but it's, I am moving the needle. It's amazing. Oh, it's so powerful. Well, tell me, I mean, when you, as you started this business, I mean, obviously you have these two teenagers or, you know, preteen teenagers at home and you're a single mom now. So, I mean, you've got that dynamic. I mean, what was that like for you, like in managing your time and dealing with things? Because I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast, you know, they're maybe in the early stages of running their law firm, you know, also having children, trying to negotiate all that. And I think time becomes such a huge piece. I love when you post about it. I mean, I love when I see your post about it because it is your most precious, at least for me, when I left corporate, went off on my own, there was intellectually, I knew that my time is valuable and so on. But, you know, maybe because I was working, yeah, I wasn't paid by the hour. It was a salary position. I think um, there was a there was an inside, there was a a journey I went on about how valuable is my time and how am I allocating it? And I, you know, I probably like, you know, like you and I have discussed in, in our group, like delegating is a lifelong journey. Dealing with your anxiety is a lifelong journey, but also how I manage my time. And that goes to boundaries and where I'm willing to say no to things. So I have had a huge lesson around that. I mean, like you, I'm a huge networker. I've made so many friendly, you know, peers, colleagues, new friends in our industry. All of these conversations have been incredible, but, you know, that's just one of many examples. Like, is that what I should do during my limited work time? And I love it. I get a lot of joy from it, but okay, well, that's great. But how do we, how does this relate to what you're trying to put out there and the boundaries that you set or don't set in that space? Like just learning. I mean, I just keep learning about getting better and better boundaries. I feel like I almost see myself internally as this like border guard that's like level, like just keeps getting promoted. Like, (laughs) like. The boundaries get better, but I also get nice. I've spent a lot of time studying how to set them nicely. Right. It's a big deal to me. I just, I see a lot of people in our industry get this in this black and white, you know, kind of like barriers, not like, uh, like Pema Chodron writes about boundaries, not barriers. Like, you know, so it's just been a very interesting, anyway, that's a long answer to a short question, but managing your time is everything. It's everything. Well, and I read a book and I mean, I sometimes feel like I've read so many books on running a business, like how do I keep having things? And I'm like, duh, like where were you, Elise? How is this the first time you're hearing about this? But I read a book recently, very recently, and it's called Buy Back Your Time. And I think it was written by a guy named Dan Martell. Absolutely game-changing, like seriously game-changing. Like everyone I meet now must read this book because it has revolutionized how I think about so many things. And I mean, really talking about, and I mean, I had a more flimsy process of this, but like about creating your perfect week and creating your calendar in such a way. So I literally went through my office is probably like dying right now. And it says like, Elise, water flowers. Elise, you know, exercise. Elise, awesome. eat. Elise, you know, in awesome. time with Doug, like it has this whole thing, like all the things. It's pretty powerful when you put it all on there because you're like, oh, there is not so much time in this day for That's me right. to do all these things. So then when I'm seeing that, I mean, I start circling those things and I'm like, that is moving off me. Like, who am I delegating that to? That is yeah. no longer in my world. And yeah. so, but I mean, this is an exercise that we have to do 
I mean, on the regular. Like, I totally agree. I think it's like, it's such a fundamental where the rubber meets the road kind of yeah. conversation. And it's so, I mean, I would think you and I are very alike. And I just keep, I keep visualizing, I need to draw this and put this on social. The seesaw. And on one end is we want to be very generous and live in abundance and help others and be a go-giver and all these great things. On the other side of the seesaw is being a feminist and being a, an attorney. And like your time is valuable. You've got really amazing strategy skills. You've got a you know brain that can you know write and speak and persuade and do all these important high level skills. And so you know, and then in the middle to me is kind of your ethics, your values. Where you know how are you going to make that seesaw balance and do it? Like for me, it's so important that I still stay close to kindness and compassion. Oh yeah, but that I don't give it all away. Like I've tipped that way in many many long chapters of my life. And, you know, then there's others who go the other way, you know, everything's about their value and them making money. And I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't want to give it all away, but I don't. Yeah. So I had an interesting experience the last few weeks. I don't think I've gotten to tell you about. One of these colleagues I befriended was hearing about a new offer that I want to put out within the business. And so she wanted me to speak with an entrepreneur she's, she's close to who's retiring. And the idea was that I might be a good successor for that person and, and that their their offer might become a part of Interconnected Us or, or relate in some way, but that it really aligns with me. So I make friends with this business owner and we have a number of conversations that get you know progressively longer and longer over the course of three, four weeks, I'd say. And I mean, one of the final ones was the second to last one was so good that I mean, I had to take off the rest of the day. I was so excited about all the possibilities and da, da, da. And realized that we had kind of, the conversations had gone so deep about connecting about our values that we hadn't gone back to the fundamentals of the business, this business opportunity. And, you know, is there a win-win? Right. And as it turns out, there's not. Like I finally, you know, after that last meeting, I was like, God, I lost a whole day where I was going to spend the morning on my, you know, sales for my business and do, you know, get all the important deep work tasks done and blew it all off because, you know, it was such a valuable contact and so on. I just was like, oh my God, I didn't assert a boundary. Like I, you know, we're only doing business if there's a business opportunity. We're not doing like, you know, we spent, I mean, she probably got eight or 12 hours of my daytime heavy, you know, brain space in total. But the good part was I woke up to it Right. And I won't do it again. And I set a boundary. Like I was so proud of the boundary that I printed that email oh, because I did it really nicely. And she wrote back with such grace. And it was just like, yeah, we don't have a, yeah. Now that you said what you need or restate what you need, I can hear you and we can't do that. So, you know, we should stay friends and, you know, check in down the road and so on. And it was like, I was really proud. I have an email where I print out like emails where I like get myself to a new level. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a keeper. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to do that. I think, I mean, I'm going to talk about another book. That is something I think we struggle with as women lawyers. We are constantly looking to that gap ahead of us rather than turning our head back and looking at the game in that totally. gap. In I know. Is again one of those. I was like, well, totally agree. I'm like, Elise, why have you not done this? Like, I know I'm totally with you. I mean, that book, I was like, so we have a call within the business where we're getting women together and just like tooting our own horns. Like, how would I set that up so that that call would be? Because if you haven't read the book, you're not understanding what the value is. It just sounds like you would dial in to brag. 
I mean, setting aside if I'll do that within the business, like it's so valuable to count your wins. I, oh, I mean, we start our leadership team meetings in our office with our gains. And I love it. it. Powerful when we yeah. have through, even though we meet every single week. I mean, it's amazing what happens every single week. The win. Totally. Some of them are huge. Others of them are very small, but they are powerful. It might be like somebody took the Wednesday afternoon off to spend time with their son and they're going to, you know, work on Sunday, but just enjoying that flexibility we offer. Totally agree with that. Yes, that's a huge win. I mean, since I started the business, I've been protecting more and more my need to exercise, which I'd overridden for like 15 years, like my marriage, raising young kids, my divorce years. I mean, I really, other than the occasional walk with a girlfriend to vent about whatever, you know, there was no consistent regular exercise. And now swimming is like really sacred. And, you know, just getting like the emotional support I need for this or that was secret time. And like, that's a win. That's a huge win that is so leveraged. Huge. Right? Like, it's not like a huge sale. It's not the kind of thing I'm going to get a big pat on the back from, you know, whatever. But it, it's like patting your own back. It's fantastic. I bet many times when you're swimming and if you're a follow the black line girl and you literally swim laps, you will come up with brilliant ideas along that black line. Are you ready to unlock your full growth potential, both professionally and personally? The Guild Maximum Lawyers exclusive community of legal entrepreneurs invites you to our upcoming in-person mastermind event in Miami, Florida. There's something truly extraordinary about the breakthroughs that occur when you're physically present, working through your business and mindset challenges in real time. By attending our mastermind, you'll engage in deep discussions, share experiences, and receive expert guidance from our coaches and fellow law firm owners who understand the unique challenges and opportunities within the legal industry. This collaborative atmosphere fuels creativity, accelerates problem solving, and stimulates innovative thinking. Investing in your personal and professional development through attending an in-person mastermind is an investment in yourself and in your future. The breakthroughs, knowledge, and strategies you'll acquire are priceless assets that can transform your practice and propel you towards your goals. Visit MaxLawEvents.com today to join the guild, reserve your spot, and secure your ticket at the best possible price. I have found, I mean, swimming is one, other running just through the years to be such great opportunities to really think about things, you know, and yeah. have real mental breakthroughs. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like sometimes I am consciously swimming, uh, thinking and other times I'm trying not to think. Like sometimes I'm really trying to notice the bubbles and, you know, the, the water and how my body feels and all that because I'm really trying to like get a brain break. But I agree with you, like, Today, I got swim laps this morning and absolutely, I was kind of like going over my list of all the things that like recent wins and also things that I, I've got mostly resolved in my mind, but not completely, like just some decisions and kind of like solidifying them. Yeah, it's magical. It, it's so funny. Like one of the other women in the circle recently was just talking about how like, God, it's everything that we were told to do during preschool, like exercise, nap, eat your vegetables, like be nice to your friend. It's all that. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, solid advice. Well, you know, it's funny. The only time in all the years that I have, you know, been doing this life sport that we do, you know, failing, succeeding, all the things, tennis is the only exercise that has allowed me to actually shut off my brain because I must follow that little ball around. I cannot think about anything. Tennis is the most rejuvenating exercise as far as 
truly shutting off my brain. So I just wanted to put it out there in case you ever would consider one of those handball kind of sports. Because I bet like softball might be similar, pickleball. Yeah. But I mean, and it dawned on me after I played tennis, probably about six months to a year. And I was like, what is this about this? I was like addicted to tennis. Yeah. I realized I was like, I cannot think about it at the time. I was mostly just rearing my children. I couldn't think about the kids. I couldn't think about each kid's problem that I was supposed to be, you know, trying to yeah. work through or whatever. All I could think about was that little ball and making sure I was ready to hit it. And I love that you got so absorbed in it. That's magical. Yeah, it wasn't magical. And now are you a dancer? Have you ever? I feel like you might be a dancer. You're not. I did ballet, but as a young child, like, you know, yeah. like yeah. I was about 13. Then I went to sports, you know, played like soccer, oh. volleyball. Oh, got it. Okay. Okay. I didn't really do team sports. I'm more like yoga, swimming, aerobics class, like that kind of thing. So it's like tennis, like, come on, there's like a ball and rules. Like, <laughs> like how's that going to work? I barely do like kickball. <laughs> like love. I don't even know what that is. You might really love it. I might really love it. I totally. Yeah, I know. It's just the other really thing. Really my turn off switch anything that turns it off honestly i i mean that's that's another thing that i think women lawyers or all lawyers you know it's like that constant i'm going to intellectualize everything going on in my life and even if they've read all this you know stuff in the zeitgeist about you know needing to turn off your mind like not protecting that time for that enough to really develop that skill set or or just get into spaces like a tennis court or you know, for me, a meditation cushion or whatever, where you're like really doing what you can to quiet. It's such an important shift. It's huge. Well, the thought, I mean, meditation is something I love. I can only do guided meditation, though. I'm one of those people that I can't do silent meditation. I'm pathetic. My brain is just pathetic. Elise, Elise, I just have to say this. It's That's like saying like, well, I can't play cello because I sat in front of a cello, you know, five times and I didn't master it. Like, it's called practice. <laughs> like, you're extremely normal. I can tell you that we're all like that at the Zen Center. Like, you know, and trying and the constant messaging from the people who are more senior with their practices that like all of that self-criticism Right. It, like there it is again. Like it's just it's just in another platform, just showing up. Like oh, I can't, not good at this. I can't concentrate. This is hard. Why have I been at this so many years? I mean, there's people who've been working at it for decades. I mean, like wow. like oh yeah, there's multiple people that I mean, in a, a, a huge segment of the membership that's like you know hippies that are now in their seventies and they've been working at it for decades. And it, they're not all like some, but but it's not about I don't know. I don't want to go on a rabbit hole about Zen here, but but it's a challenge. It's really a challenge. Concentration is exactly the opposite of what our culture is oh, is training our brains to do, right? All this stupid multitasking, you know, rewards. Like it's it's you're rewiring back to a healthier way. Right. You're rewiring. Exactly. One of my sons said the other day, he just randomly he is like, we have created a whole society of people that can't do anything for more than 40 seconds he goes it's really wild and i was like really wild yeah wild somebody also said to me and i thought it was interesting you know we talk about not reading as much anymore like not reading books and whatever but the amount of information we are taking in they said it was almost like reading the hobbit every single day you know with the wow 
And I was like, oh my God. Wow. So this is a, this is a question I've got for you. So I can interview the interviewer. You know, something my Shrek said to me was, here's another challenge in the industry. She said, I really want, would like you to consider reading more fiction because, and it like took me years to understand why, no matter how much she talked, I like wasn't ready to really hear it. But like this notion that I need to be productive totally. all the time. Completely. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Like, that do you read is, fiction? I do, but it's just recent. I mean, yeah. I build my firm stage. So, you know, for the last like eight years, no way would I have read fiction because I literally, I had too much to do. I had too much to learn in my mind that, you know, because really to develop and to build your firm, I mean, in my, the main thing I was doing was developing myself as a leader, which meant like breaking down a lot of those, you know, bad habits and things that I needed right. to work on in that inner work. And so, you know, trying to juggle four or six kids, depending on, you know, who was in our home at the time. Like, yeah. that's a lot. Do you know what I mean? There was not, not a lot of time for fiction, TV. I mean, I there's an entire 15 years that I did not watch a TV show. Like, so I there's totally so, get it. I've yeah. never. We are aligned. Yeah, yeah like, we are. We are aligned there. Like, I don't understand when, like, I hear busy people talk about, like, to me, it's such an inefficient way to unwind, like. Get outside. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm not. A I can't do it either. I can't do it either. Lots of campfires lately yeah. in my backyard. I'm loving it. Lovely. I'm loving it. Like a couple of weeks ago, I had a bunch of good friends. We just sat around. A lot of them didn't. You know, I'm, I'm an introvert in some ways. And so a lot of my friends are one to one friendships. They don't know each other. And also I've gone through changes. So there's that too. And so just bringing these wonderful people together and they were all so lit up by each other. And it was just like. I love making connections. This is what I love to do, you know, and it just and then the, you know, also the fire, like, this is accurate or not. My brother had said to me that like, that there's like brain science to it, that staring at a fire does something like very good for our brains. And it was just, it was just so lovely. Okay. You know, the dog made her rounds and sat on everyone's lap and it was just so nice. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I love for you that you're in that stage too, where your children are old enough where, you know, both when they're there with you, they're old enough to be, you know, entertaining themselves, but also then they have that time with their dad, you know, which yeah. is really positive and allows you to have some really good quality time. And as a divorce attorney, trying to explain that to people when they're like, I need all the custody. And I'm like, no, you don't. I promise one day you are going to yeah. not be happy if you have all the custody. Yeah, yeah. I think I understood from a very, very, very early, early on that like 50, 50 would be just fine. Like, <laughs> but I, you know, I know a lot of others who really struggled with not having the kids all the time. And like, I, you know, I think because of whatever, who I am, my family, my childhood, like there's always been this rich life of Rachel doing Rachel's thing that had nothing to do with motherhood. There's so much to say there. I, I'm experiencing motherhood at a renewed, deeper level lately. That's just really great too. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's because of the business. I think it's more because of some of the inner work that, you know, we've talked about, but it's unbelievable. I feel like I'm seeing my kids' needs and desires and strengths on deeper and deeper levels and our interactions are just getting more and more important. I mean, it's also probably because of their ages. Like we're discussing yeah. things like they're, you know, they're transitioning to being men. And it's like there's so much I got to make sure they know. You know, but, you know, I also feel like, oh, the time is finite. Like I need, I really want to 
not I need to. I'm trying to get away from saying that, but I, I just really want to um, build this book of memories, you know, and I know that you had such a joy mothering and, you know, others that I talk with, it's so inspiring. So I, as I feel like as a single mom, sometimes I have gone through big stretches of being overwhelmed and harried and so on. And like, just really like doing what I've needed to do to be present and, you know, be present, be kinder to myself, be kinder to others. Like it's just been, a, it's been such a journey. Well, I mean, that's so powerful for your boys to see. Thank you. Thank you. I had, um, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. I had a conflict with one of my kids. Uh, he's a camp counselor for the first time at the JCC down the street. And I said to him, you know, because I need to spend time on the business, like you're going to be biking to camp. Right. And he flipped out on me. And I was like, you know, part of me was, you know, like, who the heck are you? This is my right to say, you know, to dictate how you're going to do this and so on, this very top-down approach. And while I still think that's correct on some levels, like I'm still his mom, not his chauffeur and so on. What I was ignoring was, so so he gets furious. He gives me silent treatment for a couple hours. Um, you know, I've done the work, so I no longer am kind of like begging for him to forgive me and so on. I'm kind of just doing my own thing and finally like getting okay with the fact that he's in emotional pain. I don't have to go fix it right away. And and we come together, but I've said because I've studied nonviolent communication, we got on we we now are building this book of experiences where we reconcile our differences. And we sat on the couch and we took out the book because there's a framework there that the kids still need to see for a reminder. And we each said like what we needed and so on. And it was just like, I mean it it didn't end with uh return to how it was before. It ended better. It was like rupture and repair, but the repair makes you you know, more grounded in each other. It's like now we're like, we're safer to disagreeing is going to be safer and safer because we have this way to really see each other and, and communicate really healthfully. Oh, I just think that is, I mean, game changing to be able to yeah. sit down and have that kind of conversation. I mean, to really understand like, why was he flipping out about the thing? And yeah, you know, what, what yeah. did you need in that moment or with your plan? But I mean, yeah. just being able to have that communication in a safe way, imagine how that is going to change his brain as he's having conflicts. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Oh, totally. And as it relates to just narrowly, he and I over the rest of our lives, I mean, his reason for being outraged was, mom, you know, I hate biking. So, you know, he was just feeling really unseen. And like, that's something that I'm sensitive about when I feel like, so, you know, people in my inner world don't see me, don't get me like that is very painful. And so, you know, I don't know if he just <laughs> inherited my trauma or whatever, but or if he was, this is like, you know, a common human experience. Like it was so, it was incredible to go through that little exercise together and to like, just have this aha, like it's not about the biking. Like from my perspective, it was about my convenience so I could focus on my business. Yeah. It was just about, it wasn't about trying to strong arm him, control him. It was really just about my own. He's like, well, if I arrange a carpool, would that work? And we started to explore like well, other resolutions where, you know, that might be the win-win. And it was just, oh God, I'm so grateful that, that I mean, that's something else I would love to bring to women lawyers or just to all lawyers is, is nonviolent. I mean, I have story after story after story of how a conflict that used to go one way, you know, went another way, when the other party is willing to engage or... And then there's somewhere it's just, it's even the other party's not willing to do their side, but I'll do mine and it's good enough to it is. Um, save myself, really. Well, and I mean, I talk about it a lot in co-parenting. You know, when I'm working with very high conflict co-parents, 
I'm like, it takes one of you to get this down pat. And if one of you can get it down pat, the amount of decrease in the conflict is pretty noticeable and so noticeable that the children will be impacted. I mean, positively by the lack of conflict and then, you know, not negatively because only one of you will be doing the thing. And that's totally right. That tends to go down, too, because after a while, doing that thing on your own doesn't bring the same joy to the person who's used to engaging in the conflict and helping people to understand. I mean, I'm like, it takes one sane parent to make your child's psychology better. Like, so if we can... I love that. Yeah. It's under control. Yeah. We can really make an inroad, you know, positively into your children. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's an amazing skill set. And it, and it, I mean, it's helped me with friendships, with my family. I mean, my, my, fa- I love this. I mean, I, I need to tell this story more publicly, but I had this, it was a quick thing. My father said to me uh, about a year, a year and a half ago, and I studied nonviolent communication maybe three years ago. So he said to me a year or so ago, you know, the way you're parenting the 14 year old, like, I just think you're, you're acting really, you're controlling him too much. He needs more, more space. And at first, you know, the lawyer and me, the feminist lawyer is like, oh, that's rich. You know, like, where'd I learn that? You know, and I was just super defensive and angry. But because I'd studied nonviolent communication, I was like, you really care about his independence, don't you? And he's like, I do. And I was like, I care about it too. And we had made a connection. So then, you know, the natural next thing to say is like, you know, either I'll think about the, you know, the particular behavior change he wanted to see in me or how I could accomplish this kid getting more independent on my terms. But it created connection where, you know, it was just because I had studied how to bring empathy into that conflict. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't we all say it's all in the communication? I mean, it is. It's amazing. It's I know, but I, I just, I mean, do you see lawyers studying this anywhere? Like, to me, this is so needed. I mean, I think law school, I mean, this is a whole nother conversation. We'll have to have another podcast. Yeah. Law school literally should become like a year and a half, maybe, maybe two. And then could we put a year on of practical learning? I mean, awesome yes. emotional intelligence, communication, yes. how to yes. run the business. I mean, how to navigate, you know, the things we lawyers do navigate all the time and nobody how how to write an in a billing entry. I mean, I have lawyers that yeah. come out of law school and, you know, they'll write this billing entry. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, we got to start from scratch here, you know. But I mean, I have to learn how. Yeah. I mean, nobody teaches us how to do that. And yeah, it's just I mean, and I think there's so much around wellness and how do we, you know, maintain our mental health in yeah. this profession? I mean, yes. I mean, do you think that the billable hours makes it like fuels the workaholism that's so pervasive? Do you think that's what drives people being so addicted to work and their their inability to slow down is just the, just the money, 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 money? Oh, definitely. And I think just the, you know, I mean, depending on people's hourly requirements and what it looks like, like I think as law firm owners, we have to pull these hours down. Like we are creating these models where, I mean, and especially obviously in big law, where these, you know, very senior partners are just making absurd amounts of money, you know, on the backs of their associates. And it's just, I mean, without regard to their associates' mental health. I mean, when I see people with, you know, billable hour requirements, you know, 2,000, 2,200, I mean, 
in my prior life as an insurance defense attorney, we had a 2400 hour requirement. That was like completely normal. I mean, now I'm like, what? I mean, you know, my attorneys are more like in the 1350 kind of range. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely doable. I mean, I can see that they can get their work done, all of it, non-billable and billable in 40 hours. I mean, very easily. And I don't mean to say easy, but you know what I mean. Very, like, no problem. And I mean, with working, you know, 44-ish weeks a year, like, that's a pretty, I think, solid, you know, life-work integration where you're, you know, able to do the things. But even also as a law firm owner, like, having people tell me what hours work for them. The insanity that I dictate everybody's hours and make it where it's uniform to me, that's so insane. Why do we, can we not have nuance? Like, why do we not look at the life cycle of people? Like as a young lawyer with no children, you might have a different energy level and a different time. When you're at home with three kids and two of them have special needs, you might have different, you know, you might need something different. And in our firm, we roll with that. Like we are up and down and people come and go, you know, with their hourly requirements. And so I'm so curious to hear, like, I mean, I just, every time we're talking about this topic, I'm so curious to hear if you're leveraging yourself yet and influencing the profession. Like, this is so important. I'm so excited to hear others, you know, model your, you know, use the Bowie firm ownership model and, you know, the Bowie billable hour model and, you know, all of it. Like, it's just incredible. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I have not done. And you know this. I mean, I'm in my year of peace. And so I am definitely, you know, we talk about boundaries. Like I have been pretty intentional in 2023 of just like kind of bringing things in and figuring out like what is next? What will next look like? And really just enjoying some peace because 2022 was just kind of rough. And that was a big deal for me to just admit that. That twenty. I think it's great. Yeah, you're such a, a positive person that I would imagine it's hard to spit out that it was a hard year, but to spit it, to find the courage to spit it out, and then further courage to protect the time to heal. Yeah, is heroic, and that's another example of how you're a leader. I mean, it's just it's that's not an easy, that's a win that needs to be celebrated. That's awesome. Isn't that a funny win? But I agree with you. I do think having yeah. this, you know. Being very intentional has been, I think, really important. And I think it's been good for my firm, too. You know, like by us not pushing hard in certain areas, it's given everybody some peace. And I mean, we've had people in our firm, I mean, somebody who lost like a significant other. I feel like we were in a better spot to kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. deal with that even Mm -hmm. as like we were in a more peaceful state and we created this like PTO volunteer, like, you know, donate policy thing, because initially when her partner passed away, she was like, okay, well, I'm going to come back to work, you know, on this. I was like, what? Like, no, you're not. I was like, you need like time and space. And, you know, but then there's all this employment lawyer stuff. Like, you know, if I give her all this time, like, then what does that look like? So, you know, I had to follow all the laws of what I can do and not do. Because my natural inclination was just like, it's fine, take off, it'll be fine. 
but we created this donation policy, but then I was able to match all the donations. So to, you know, double the impact of what, yeah, that was so powerful to see the people in the office be able to offer to their coworker their time, their money. I mean, like cash donations, time donations. And uh, it was so powerful. And it gave me so much gratitude to be able to match those. I was just like absolutely tickled pink. Oh, my God. And to I mean, from where I sit, the courage that you went off on your own and created this company that has, you know, your amazing values and like all of the bushwhacking you had to do to create policies where none exists, you know, like where you've had to build something that, you know, is so rare in our industry, if at all. I mean, I I have to imagine you don't, I don't know, like who you look up to. I mean, it's incredible. It's like incredible. And I'm grateful you exist. Like, I just, I think it's incredible. Well, I That's so not just because you're the pod host. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I so appreciate you spending your time with us today and talking to us about Interconnected Us. One thing that I would love to do, if it's okay with you, is just put the link to Interconnected Us in our show so people can reach out. And I mean, you know, there might be other moms that would like to hear more about what you're doing and how to get involved in a mastermind. What is the best way for somebody to reach you if they want to reach out and you know, learn more about Interconnected Us. Absolutely. They can connect with me on social. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. They also can go to our website and just, you know, if they're interested in what they see, they can apply right there and that'll kick them towards setting up an appointment with me. So any of those would be great. And a friend of yours is a friend of mine, including all your pod listeners. (laughs) Yeah, I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.